With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hey, good to have your company. We'll get to the one and only John Ruddick, who we missed the last two weeks. I know I've had, you know, comments on the chat box and I've had emails from people saying, where's John? Well, Mr. Libertarian himself will be joining us in just a short moment. We're looking forward to that. And then a little bit later, um, some brilliant analysis once again, no doubt, from Shane Healy, the former ADF intelligence officer. And we'll look at what's going on in Gaza, but on a regional basis, because there are a number of triggers now right across that Middle Eastern region that could lead to the spread of this war. Now, let's get you to Washington for starters. A jury has cleared three Washington state police officers of all criminal charges on Thursday in the 2020 death of Manuel Ellis, a black man who was shocked, beaten and restrained face down on a Tacoma sidewalk as he pleaded for breath. Two of the officers, Matthew Collins, 40, and Christopher Burbank, 38, had been charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter, while Timothy Rankin, 34, was charged with manslaughter. The attorneys argued that Ellis died from a lethal amount of methamphetamine that was in his system as well as a pre-existing heart condition, not from the officer's actions, and the jury found the three not guilty on all counts. There was a gasp from the gallery when the first not guilty verdict was read. Rankin sat forward in his seat and wiped his eyes while Collins hugged his lawyer. Matthew Erickson, a lawyer representing the Ellis family, said it was hard to convey how devastating the verdict was for the family and the community. Let's hope the community keep things in context. Let's hope that they get details of the finding and don't react violently in that part of the world. Now, earlier in the week, it was Wednesday, I chatted with well-known Australian adventurer and entrepreneur Dick Smith, and he was talking about these incredible Facebook campaigns that he, Gina Reinhart, the richest woman in Australia, and Twiggy Forrest, um, another iron ore uh, guru, um, the fact that they've been caught up in these scams where their voices and their images have been used by AI technology to replicate them pushing a certain product. And as a result, people have lost millions of dollars losing their money in investments that are just completely and utterly scams. And Facebook won't move. Facebook won't do a thing about it. Uh, even the treasurer of the nation is caught up in this, and he can't make Facebook take these things off their pages, off their social platform, when they could easily take off comments you make about COVID-19 tomorrow. So what's happened is that Andrew Twiggy Forrest has decided to sue Meta. Facebook's parent company, Meta, will de has decided now to fight criminal charges brought by philanthropist billionaire Andrew Twiggy Forrest over an alleged cryptocurrency clickbait advertising scam. This is the one that he's been yelling at Facebook to get off the online platform for years, and they won't do a thing. Lawyers for the tech giant formally pleaded not guilty on Wednesday in Armidale Magistrates Court in to three counts of recklessly dealing with proceeds of crime to the value of $1,000 or more. You see, they make money 
from the placements of these scams. There's a terrible conflict of interest here. And Andrew Twiggy Forrest, for all his foibles and the things that I criticise him about on a regular basis, he is entirely in his rights to sue the pants off Meta. The matter was committed to the West Australian District Court. Sorry, it was in Western Australia, not Melbourne, where the Commonwealth is expected to take over the prosecution. So there you go. It's now going to federal prosecutors. And Andrew Twiggy Forrest, no doubt, has very deep pockets, as has Meta, to fight this hard. And let's hope on behalf of those people, whether you're famous or not famous, those that have been ripped off through these series of scams, let's hope there's some kind of justice at the end of this very dark tunnel. This is TNT Radio. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, we have missed him, the leader of the Libertarian Party in New South Wales, an upper house MP in the New South Wales Parliament. He's just returned from Argentina. John Ruddick, MLC, welcome. You're not still jet lagged, are you? Oh, I am badly jet lagged. The last two Fridays, I've been on a very long plane flight. So that's why it was just an impossibility to be with you, unfortunately, Chris. So I have missed you and the, and the listeners. Uh, but yeah, no, look, I, I was jet lagged in Buenos Aires. And then, then after a week, I have to come back to Australia and I'm now, double jet lag. So it's been all over the place. Well, listen, we're not interested in your problems right now. We want to know the goss. We want to know the inside running. How was his inauguration? Okay. Well, look, uh, <clears throat> it's a uh, it's a very interesting city, Buenos Aires, at the, at, which means it's Spanish for beautiful air. Now, Buenos Aires is a beautiful place, or it certainly was. Uh, now, I've often heard since I was a teenager that Argentina was as rich as Australia 100 years ago, and then it's sort of fallen into a socialist mess. Well, that is just so true. Right. You look, you know, Martin Place, there are a lot of nice buildings around Martin Place and down towards the rocks, a lot of nice old colonial architecture. Buenos Aires, well, as their architecture is about, about 50 times bigger, like in terms of over a geographic space, and the architecture is about twice as big, and it's all really grand. Right. So it's got all this rich, and the, and the streets are all beautifully paved out. They have boulevards and gardens. Everything's really nice, okay? But it's like someone asked me this week, he said, well, John, what's it, what's it like there? I said, look, imagine if Australia did not have Prime Minister Gough Whitlam for three years, but for three decades. <laughs> A socialist mecca. Yeah, yeah. Whitlamism got thrown out after three years, all these big government schemes, all this chaos. <laughs> That's what Argentina's had for about 60 years, okay? And so the people, uh, you know, are sort of a bit depressed about things, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, they've chosen uh, Harvey Malay overwhelmingly to be their president, thank God. If anybody can turn it around, Chris, it's an anarcho-capitalist called Harvey Malay, and he's not mucking around. Mm -hmm. He's already getting into, you know, abolishing government departments, cutting spending, doing a lot of very good things. But the place is... He's got one hell of a task, Chris. It's a mess. Right. It sounds like a mess. But uh, he might be the man for the job, do you think? Oh, well, he's absolutely the man for the job. So I was very, very honoured to be there. On on the day of the inauguration, they they invited out three to 400 international guests. Now, almost all of them were from other parts of Latin America. Mm-hmm. I think me, myself and Ross Cameron and were the only Aussies, except the Australian ambassador was there. So they had this big, nice palatial room where they invited all the international guests to, um, you know, come and be part of it. And the foreign minister came and spoke to us. 
So that was like, you know, a lot of, I, I flew the Australian flag high, Chris. And, Excellent. Uh, had a lot of, uh, had a lot of uh, very interesting, good conversations with a lot of very good people across Latin America. We're all fans of Harvey Malay. We all certainly wish him all the very, very best. That's good. We should have given you a whole packet of TNT radio stickers to take with you. I should have. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm. Maybe next time. Yes, Maybe yes. when Donald Trump asks you to his inauguration. Oh, well, that's true. Yes, good point. Yes, yeah. yes. Let's talk about Donald Trump, um, the Colorado Kangaroo Court. Boy, oh, boy, the biggest story, I think, related to the presidential election of 2024, and I think it dropped this week, the Colorado Supreme Court, barring Donald Trump from having his name on the primary ballot for next year's presidential campaign. What a shameful chapter in American judicial history, John. Uh, well, look, it's only going to help Trump. All these things that have happened so far this year, whenever he's been indicted, he's, it has had a direct correlation with his polling. Now, now, what happened? So the Americans fought their civil war in the 1860s, and after that they changed their constitution to brought, brought in what are called the Civil War Amendments. And one of them says, you know, if you've ever been engaged in insurrection against the United States, you're not allowed to run for Congress or president, okay? It doesn't explicitly say president, but... It, I think that's what it would include. Now, those confederacy, they, they were just trying to prevent, you know, people like William Jefferson, who was the uh, confederacy president, they wanted to prevent him sort of having a future in politics. Okay, well, look, yeah. four to five years civil war, that's fair enough. But look, they, these people in Colorado are trying to say that after engaging in a literal civil war for five years and setting up a new government within the United States is the same thing as what Donald Trump did on January the 6th, which was which was just a riot, a messy riot that had got a bit out of hand. Yeah, now, and I didn't see any of the guns or bandoleros they had back then. Now, well, that's right. Look, look, what, 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 the, there is a difference between, a technical difference between an insurrection and a riot. The, the, and, the, and the technical difference is very clear. If, you, if it's an insurrection, you've got a big detailed plan about how you're actually going to take over the government. So you've probably been planning it, you know, for six months. Lenin and Trotsky in Russia planned it for about 30 years. Yes. Okay. When the moment comes, they says, right, now we're going to strike. The first thing they do is they take over military bases, then police bases. They want the guns. Okay. They've got to get them or you're going to try try to take power. You've got to get the guns off the government, right? Yeah, so yeah. military bases, police. Then you want bridges to look up. You've got to secure bridges. Energy supply, you want, want to, you want to take over the banks. There's all these things you've got to do to take over a government. The last thing you need to do is take over the legislature. What's the legislature got? Who cares about the legislature? So that was that's an insurrection, okay? It's got, you've got to have a plan. Now, did Donald Trump have a plan to take over the government, Chris, on January the 6th? No, it was, it was chaos. It was disorganised. Now, I was critical of Trump at the time. In the lead-up to January the 6th, I was urging him to say, look, let's just accept what the Supreme Court says. Biden's won. Now, I agreed with President Trump. I believe he was robbed. It was it was nonsense to keep fighting after the Supreme Court had said a month before, oh, well, we're not going to hear any of these appeals. But putting that aside, this is this is a great moment for the Trump campaign. Mm. I know it's going to happen in the Supreme Court. Uh, what's going to happen in the Supreme Court is there's about a 97% chance they are going to unanimously throw out what the Colorado Supreme Court has done. Of course. Of course. But... It does what you say, which is glue further those that are considering supporting Trump for the president, the 48th president. And look, just in terms of the presidential race, let's let's put this on record before the year is out because it's our last conversation together on air. 
Looking at next year, do you think the Democrats have a plan B in the offing? Uh, if, for instance, these um, uh, corruption charges grow further, we, if the, the impeachment gets uh, to the next step, if, for instance, uh, you know, you start in the middle of 2024 and you can't put two words together, do they have a plan B? Uh, look, I believe they've got more than a plan B. I believe that Barack Obama and David Axelrod, his, his best mate in politics, are plotting the overthrow of Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee in 2024. Right. Uh, I've got an article that should be in the Spectator uh, before the end of the year, uh -huh. which I go through what Obama and Axelrod have been saying. Now, Axelrod's the guy that first identified President uh, uh, Barack Obama when he was just an unknown kid in 1992, so about 16 years before he becomes the president, uh, Axelrod saw this uh, Obama, yeah, he's just graduated from Harvard Law, he's got a fair bit of charisma about him, he's a pretty smart guy, Mr Obama. Axelrod says, I'm going to make you the president of the United States, and he did. Now, him and Obama have remained very close ever since, and I and they both despise Joe Biden. They know They worked closely with him for eight years in the White House when he was the VP, they know how much of a lazy, self-promoting, lying, corrupt bastard that he is. They know it. They know it. <laughs> Come and tell us what you really feel. Don't hold back. Oh, well, they, they, they think worse. They think worse. And Axelrod and Obama, they, uh, they uh, look, all these Democrats are united about one extreme thing, and that is they do not want Donald Trump II as the president because he's going to launch a million investigations, and there's so much to investigate with the corruption going on in the swamp, you know, with people like Obama and Axelrod. Now, so they desperately don't want Trump to be the president. Now, they know that the polls say that jo Trump is going to beat Joe Biden. Joe Biden is digging in. I blame his wife more than anybody. Uh, she's, she's not senile. He's senile. He doesn't know what's going on. And uh, but she's the one that says, no, I like being the first lady. We're not going anywhere. I like living in the White House is what she's saying. <laughs> now, 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 I believe what they're going to do, Chris, is... I believe this is the plan. They may not be able to pull it off, but this is the plan. They're trying to get Joe to pull out of the race and they're going to bring in Michelle Obama as the Democratic nominee. Right. Now, I know that I have said on your show many times this year that I think they'll, if they get rid of Joe, they'll go with Californian Governor Gavin Newsom. I've changed my tune. I think they will go with Michelle, not Gavin. Yeah, well, I would have thought Michelle has a greater chance of you know, winning hearts and minds, at least in her own party, as yes. opposed to Gavin Newsom. That's an interesting call. We'll be looking for that in the uh, current Australian edition or the upcoming edition of Spectator, John. Just stay right where you are. I'm going to take a couple of calls, if I may, on some of the subjects we've spoken about. Just after a quick break, if you'd like to do that, you can jump on our talkback lines from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from the US or Canada, 1-888-201. 6425 on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent 
on the system, it's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. All right, a couple of quick comments. One from Chris on the chat box, where uh, you can make any comments on the chat box, by the way. Monitor, comment, express your opinion. Just go to tntradio.live. And in reference to Rudy Giuliani and the filing for bankruptcy, Chris says that's how they thank the man who saved New York City. Well, he did save New York City. There's no doubt about that as mayor. 
this is nothing but political lawfare. We've seen a lot of examples of political lawfare in the last week, have we not? Let's go to Siv on the talkback line. Siv, John Ruddick is listening. Go right ahead. Well, good day, Chris, and good day, John. Um, look, I, I just wonder if the Democrats ever learn. I mean, the reason I say that is because the more and more the judiciary and the political establishment attack Donald Trump, the more and more a lot of uh, people who probably would not ordinarily support somebody like a Donald Trump might go, hang on a minute, is he really the devil incarnate or is he just somebody who speaks his mind and has a way of speaking his mind? Maybe we want somebody who actually does that. And we had some of that for the last four years. Was it really all that bad? Well, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe we didn't have, you know, the Middle East on fire. Maybe we didn't have a whole range of other things. We didn't have the high costs of living that we've got now. John? Well, that is a, that's a very good point, Siv. Um, I think what the polls are telling us that about 5 to 7% of Americans that voted for Joe Biden, you know, almost four years ago, and now telling pollsters that they will now vote for Donald Trump. So what has yeah. caused that change? I think ex exactly what you're saying is that there will be Biden voters out there who will think, oh, my God, we really should not be, you know, trying to arrest a political person, a political, a presidential front runner. Uh, and so people are saying, wow, this has gone too far. So these people probably fell for all the BS, uh, you know, in 2000, 2020. You know, they voted for Biden. You know, something they got something, but something they got tricked into about something about Trump. But now they can say, wow, this is really bordering on banana republic. What they're doing, using, as you said, all this lawfare and trying to arrest him and, and all these all these legal actions that are coming to a head. Yeah, they're all coming to a head in, the, in 2024. Gee, well, that's a surprise, isn't it? That just tells you how political <laughs> the whole thing is. Yeah. The whole thing. So they could have brought some of these things. They could have brought them some of these things 10 years ago, five years ago. No, no, no. They all happened to have come to a head. Or they could wait. could wait. I mean, the way the system works over there, and I, I guess it, it happened. They, they could wait. I mean, you know, it, in a normal situation, I hear this, in a normal situation, if you have a case in front of a judge, I don't know whether it's the same here, but certainly over there they, they say, look, you know, this could take you at least a, a year or two. You realise this? This could be a year or two out of your life. You're going to have to be prepared for that. But, you know, these people want... They, they basically want the guy in prison. They want him in prison, you know, um, by hook or by crook, and that's what they'll do. But, you know, I think this might backfire on them if, you know, the Republicans ended up being voted for. Yes, there are some squishies, but I think they'll probably weed out the squishies and get the ones that are a bit stronger. And, you know, I think this is going to this is going to be good for the Democrats because, you know, they just they just do not learn. Let's talk to you, Chris. Yeah, hey, Siv, don't go anywhere. Uh, Tim, one of our listeners on our chat box says, Merry Christmas, Chris, and Merry Christmas to Siv. It's good to hear you've come over to TNT Radio. Yes, well, I am here, and uh, I'm here when you want me. You know, just, uh, just, just, you know, bring put the check in the mail, and I'll be here. Good to talk to you guys. And Merry <laughs> Christmas, everybody. A very small check. Good on you, Steve. Merry Christmas to you as well. John Ruddick, our conservative lobby group Advance Australia. This is the group that played a pivotal role in campaigning against the voice referendum. They're reportedly forming a volunteer army of 300,000 supporters ahead of the next election. Um, now, as I know from rallying Australians on the carbon tax some 
13 years ago. It's not easy rallying Conservatives because the other side of politics have a little bit more time on their hands, John. Yes, well, that's right. Well, right-wingers are out there doing productive things. They've got nine-to-five jobs. They've got families, mortgages to pay off. They're probably involved in community groups or a church, various things. Now, the lefties, the inner-city lefties, have got nothing else to do with their lives, and their employer, who's probably the, the public sector, they couldn't care less about about them turning up at events. Yeah, another thing that why conservatives don't like to turn up events, they don't want to be publicly seen because then they might get doxxed at their job. Yes. You know, you know, they might just work in a manufacturing job or something out in Western Sydney. They come along to a, a, a protest. They say, we don't believe in global warp boiling or whatever it is. Gets on the Channel 7 News. Well, someone in that HR department might be a communist and might be saying, oh, no, 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 this person's bringing um, our, our company into disrepute. Things like that happen all the time. However, now, look, if anybody can rally them, it's Advance Australia. Mm. Advance Australia are the, geni- the, the, the campaign geniuses who identified how we're going to win the voice. Jacinta and Warren, they said they made that decision early on. They said, put them out, put them out uh, pr- uh, loud and, uh, and prominently, and they won, the, they won the debate. It wasn't the stupid Liberal Party that made that decision. It was Advance Australia. Uh, so I have a lot of faith in what they can do. I've met, met, I've met some of their key people a couple of times. They're very impressive people. Thank God somebody on the right side of Australian politics is muscling up. Yes, exactly. Uh, we, we've had these uh, get-ups get and everybody else. No, thank you, Advance Australia. Hopefully this is just the beginning. Yes, I agree completely. Now, just on global boiling, I've got to get to global boiling because temperatures in China this month have been described as all-time December lows. It's brass monkey weather, John. What's happened to boiling? Well, look at six o'clock this morning. Even in Sydney, Chris, I had uh, I had UGG boots on. Okay, now we were we were told for months this is going to be one of the hottest summers ever in Australia. I know there's been a few hot days. It's all crap. I can remember how hot it was. Remember when we were kids, December and January oh. in Sydney. Stinking it was really, hot. It was stinking hot. It was hotter. I'm convinced it was hotter. Yeah. They keep lying to us. They say, "Oh, it's a." And they love saying, "Oh, it's a record! It's a record." We had we had we had the, the hurricane, the cyclone the other day in North Queensland. Okay, and there's a little part of Queensland where there's been a bit a flood. Okay, so then it gets all over the world's media: record flood in North Queensland <laughs> because some junior little you know global boiling local official in the Bureau of Meteorology has just said it. They've just said, "Oh, this is the worst ever." Then the world's media take takes off. Now that it always takes three or four days. Someone comes forward and says, oh, well, actually, we had a bigger flood in 1973, yep. 1954, and 1862 was pretty bad. This happens every time. Yep. But by the time it's been corrected, it's gone all around the world, and gullible minds are falling for it. Okay, But here we have it. But then they don't want to uh, mention anything about there being record snows in China. Now, this is yeah, the, Chris, the, the one thing that has surprised me the most about being in Parliament. Yeah, I've always been a global boiling denier, okay? Mm-hmm. A proud mm-hmm. global boiling denier. Yeah. The these people, Liberal, Labor, Nationals, Greens, the whole flame and lot, they are obsessed with global boiling, yes. hot climate change, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. It's in every bill, it's in every committee, it's in every discussion. This is their religion. And guess what? It's all crap. It's all one hundred percent crap. This is a mass delusion that we're living in, and we all we can do is just keep fighting it. Yeah, we've got to keep fighting it, got to keep talking about conflicts against the theory. 
like the one in China at the moment. Some, can someone please call me and explain why this is so, uh, given the fact that we're supposed to be globally boiling? I don't understand it at all. Great to have you on the program. We've missed you for two weeks. We're glad you're here. We hope you can join us in 2024, John. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you and the listeners, Chris, and your fantastic team. I very much enjoyed the year. And yes, looking forward to a big 2024. I'm sure there'll be one or two things to talk about next year, Chris. <laughs> it's not wrong. I think it'll be bigger than 2023. Thank you, mate. You and your family have a great Christmas. Enjoy your Christmas day. I'm sure you will. And uh, all the very best for 2024. Great, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you. John Ruddick, New South Wales leader of the Libertarian Party. And he's been over in Argentina. You've heard uh, that report. There's Buenos Aires. If, of course, Gough Whitlam had been in power in Australia for 30 years, that's how Australia would have been. I like that line. That is an absolute beauty. Got to take a break and then we'll go back to Gaza and have a close look at what's really happening through the eyes of Shane Healy, the ADF former ADF intelligence officer. We'll do that after a news break on TNT Radio. And now, dude, I have huge news. I knew it. Knew it. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Over a dozen people have been killed and more than 20 others wounded in a mass shooting at a university in the Czech Republic. Former US President Donald Trump has accused the White House of waging war on Christians and is bound to end it if he's re-elected next year. President Joe Biden has once again appeared lost and confused on stage. And Hamas has rejected another proposed temporary ceasefire in Gaza, saying it's only interested in ending the war. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. You know, it's interesting. We keep talking about the Colorado Kangaroo Court. Well, that's what I call it anyway. And that foul decision against Donald Trump. And it doesn't matter whether you're supportive of Donald Trump or not. To think that they would automatically presume that he is guilty of insurrection, to make a decision about his unsuitability to stand in the primary ballot leading to the presidential campaign is just not democracy. It is not judicial um well, it, it is not American justice. Well, have a listen to this. This is on Fox News. The Colorado Supreme Court's decision to ban Donald Trump from the state's primary vote undermines a bedrock principle of American democracy. According to one of the court's Democratic-appointed justices who wrote a fiery dissent. So one of the three that said, hang on, you can't do this. Not the four that said that we will jump to the conclusion that he is instantly guilty of insurrection and wipe him from the ballot. One of the three, Justices Carlos Samor, Maria Birkenkotter and Chief Justice Brian Boatwright all dissented. They're all Democratic appointees, by the way. But Samor was particularly critical of the 4-3 ruling. Samor and Boatwright were each appointed by Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper, while Burke and Cotter was appointed by a cut, the current governor, also a Democrat. The decision to bar Donald J. Trump, by all accounts, the current leading Republican presidential candidate from Colorado presidential primary ballot flies in the face of the due process doctrine. Samal wrote in his dissenting article, even if we are convinced that a candidate committed horrible acts in the past, dare I say, engaged in insurrection, 
there must be procedural due process before we can declare that individual disqualified from holding public office. Procedural fairness, in other words. Where is the procedural fairness? Where is the procedure? There hasn't even been a procedure as yet on his guilt or innocence related to January the 6th. All playing into the hands, they're such dummies, all playing into the hands of Donald Trump. Um, I'm glad we've got hold of some of that dissenting language because it is as, I, I think, protestable as anything that I've heard on mainstream media. Well said by those who didn't agree with the decision. Okay, let's return to the war in Gaza and the breakdown of talks as we discussed a little earlier with Stuart Hooper over the release of more hostages. I detest how Hamas are dangling the lives of these hostages in front of the world like as if they have some right to do so. Let's now go to former ADF intelligence officer. Shane was a private military contractor in Iraq between 2004 and eight, training Iraqi special operations police in the Australian and I. And he was a member of the Australian Corps and was deployed twice to Afghanistan, where he provided insurgent threat assessments. So he knows this area very well. In Australia as well, he was part of the tactical assault group and involved in several real-time terrorist incidents. Between 2014 and 15, he was deployed to the UAE and Baghdad. Shane Healy, welcome back to TNT Radio. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you going? I'm doing very well, mate. I hope you're well um, on this very close period of eve to Christmas Day. Let's begin with Hezbollah, the Lebanese-based terror group. They've become rather active and are making the IDF suffer heavy losses, we read, which has prompted Israel to attack targets in Lebanon as well. They're a handy ally for Hamas because they ensure that, you know, Israel is distracted and have to dedicate resources to Hezbollah. I think your last point is the key piece in this, and we've discussed this over the previous weeks. It's the second front. It's diverting resources and troops away from Gaza and having to fight on another another battlefield, and it's uh, the strategic game for Iran. And the same thing applies, you would agree, would you, in reference to the Houthis, uh, don't they? Yeah, exactly. So another Iranian proxy conducting uh, operations at the behest of the Iranian government to tie up resources and international pressure on the Israelis. Is on high alert in the expectation of a terror attack. Germany and Denmark had arrested several members of us. Why are these countries being targular? So we spoke about this a few weeks ago, and there's a large uh, Muslim, Sunni Muslim refugee population in these countries. Um, and so there's a lot of um, second and third order um, ISIS and Al Qaeda affiliations. So it's really, I read the threat assessment earlier today from the Netherlands Intelligence Service, and that's what they're actually saying. It's, it's also based around the level of uh, online chatter from ISIS, from Al Qaeda, uh, to use the Hamas Gaza war to conduct operations around the Christian celebration of Christmas. Okay. I want to take a quick break. Um, I've got a small technical problem, Shane. I want to take a quick break to try and fix back with you in just a second. Shane Healy, T Radio. 
with his expert analysis and opinion. This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From maginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702. 
or read more at MITmodular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day there, Shane Healy. I've fixed up the gremlin. We're right now. Shane Healy, the former ADF intelligence officer, joins us now. Now, Hamas's de facto leader has said he will only agree to a new truce if it guarantees the release of all Palestinian prisoners being held in Israeli jails. 100% of them he's talking about. A Qatari newspaper has quoted an unnamed Egyptian official saying the leadership of Hamas had rejected Israel's offer of a temporary truce in exchange for the release of several dozen Israeli hostages. Um, what Israel was suggesting was a repeat of what had happened before. Why won't Hamas take the bait and agree to give up some of the hostages? What did they gain last time? So I get this from both sides. Israel are trying to uh, regain a bit of uh, credibility in the international community in saying we're trying to look after the Palestinian people. I get what Hamas are doing. They're trying to go for broke. Uh, you know, you ask for a lot if you're going to get a little. Um, I see it from both sides. I don't see a truce happening. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. Um, it's just going to play out and play out until... Uh, the international the international community is going to solve this. It's not going to be solved by the Israelis or the, or the Palestinians. That's interesting. Houthi rebels have vowed to continue their attacks against this US multi-international force. Is this, and I asked you at Hooper about this earlier in the program, Is this could this be the trigger for some kind of war between the US and Iran? No, this is just, again, it's the third front in the current proxy wars between Iran um, these, the US, um, it's part of the, the global free trade. It doesn't actually affect mainland US. It's affecting China and India. That's where a lot of these um, supplies, these oil and, and goods are going from Europe into those countries. Uh, it's a good coalition building exercise. The US are very good at this. But in reality, if the US wanted to uh, end the Houthis tomorrow, they could just put a car strike carrier group, a few surgical strikes, and, and they could deal with this. So um, it's, the Houthis are really up to the US now they want to deal with What did you make of the Hamas video featuring Ghazi Hamad thanking Australia for voting for a ceasefire in the UN? It's just more of that information war that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. I, I did see a report it hasn't been confirmed, uh, but again, it, it got the right level of uh, media exposure. It's got talking points. Um, it wasn't just Australia. There were a, a number of countries, New Zealand, were on that letter that they signed. It's just going to be, again, this war is being played out in conventional media and online. Convicted terrorist Abdul Ben Bricker, he is Mohammed al Mahawi, spent eight years in jail for his role in a plot to wounds and kill police officers today, if he hasn't been free already, angry about this and fearful? Well, I was uh, intimately involved in the assessment intervention process in the uh, uh, the coloured group. Uh, there was a juvenile as a member of that group, and when I worked in juvenile justice, uh, he was one of my clients. So I've got a lot of knowledge. This individual wasn't one of the key players. He's been uh, thoroughly assessed. The fact that he's not uh, on the New South Wales Police um, 
terrorism restrictions radar is interesting to me. Um, unless they didn't see this coming, they didn't ask for a continued detention order. So Home Affairs don't have any um, worry. I assess that law enforcement are going to monitor him anyway. Uh, he will be on the counter-terrorism team's radar and they'll see how he goes over the next months. We all think of these cretins that go after committing or trying to commit um, some kind of terrorist act. We think that they should all be monitored and all the time. Do we actually have the resources to do that? I could imagine we're rather stretched in terms of that department. No, there's no way we could do 24-hour human and signal uh, monitoring of all these these people. But at the same time, uh, I don't believe it's required. You know, one of my roles is to provide assessments, to go into these correctional facilities and conduct interviews and provide uh, the Supreme Court assessments. They're called voluntary risk assessments. Uh, and there's a you know high risk to low risk. And, and the courts look at that and go, they've done no intervention. They still have that ideology. They still want to attack people. We're going to keep them in jail. They've changed their ideology. Their motivation shifted. We've done some intervention work. We've put some protective factors around them. We'll let them into the society with a supervision, with a you know, continued supervision order. We'll put a number of restrictions in place and we'll see how they go. You, you can't lock them up forever in our law system. So we've got to put some sort of intervention and rehabilitation process around them. You know, I spent 20 years in the Middle East fighting Islamic extremism, and if I thought that that was going to come back to Australia, then I'd do the same again. But at the same time, I've been a part of many successful interventions of um, Australians that did have that ideology that now live very peaceful lives in the community. All right, that's interesting, and it's reassuring. Let's just hope that that's the way to particularly individuals. Four, how do you see this playing out? Will we see Hamas operatives outside Gaza, outside of Israel? Like, will we see bring in London in places in Europe to take us? Yeah, so it's, it's, we've got to look at the overarching ideology and it's the Muslim Brotherhood. So it's not just Hamas, it's the Islamic State, it's uh, Al-Qaeda. They all uh, think that, you know, the same Sunni Salafist extremism version of Islam. So it's not a, a paramilitary organisation. It's a way of belief. And that is in London. Right. That is in Australia. You know, when we're talking about Ben Brika and uh, these Australians, they had that, that same ideology. They believe that same thing. So you can, and we, we've discussed this for many times over the weeks, you can kill as many of them, but there's still a belief structure and an ideology at play here that those organisations have. And until you uh, defeat that ideology, you uh, you know you, you show them there's a better way or another way. Uh, that's where the battle lines are. So uh, there's going to be supporters uh, of those organisations around the world. And that is the constant terrorism threat. As we saw in, in the Netherlands, they've got information that, that some of those uh, local supporters are looking at uh, can possibly conducting an attack. They've raised the terrorism level. And unfortunately, that's just going to be the, the world we live in for the, you know, it's been the past 20 years and probably the next 20 years. 
Shane Healy, thank you very much for your time. I hope we can have you back at the uh, middle of January when we come back on air and uh, have a discussion further about what's happening in the Middle East. You've been a, a great find and a really interesting analyst. Thank you very much for your time and have a great Christmas, mate. You too, Chris. You and your family have a great Christmas and stay safe. Thank you. Will do. Thank you, mate. Much appreciated, Shane Healy. Now, I do want to mention something else. Luckily, the very clever satirists who work for Pauline Hanson's Please Explain cartoon series have published a Christmas episode today. So thank you, team, for doing all of that. So here are the crimes of Anthony Albanese. If only he could take them all back. 99, everybody. Merry Christmas. And good night, my little toys, Pocock, Lammy, and Lydia Thorpe. No, no. And good night, Elf on the Shelf. I'm not an elf. <laughs> Shut up, David Little Proud. Ah, only one more sleep until I get to open up all my presents. Because I'm a good little boy. Hmm. Elbo, wake up, wake up. Ah, Elbo? Yes, it's me, Elbo, from the future. What? When? 10, 20 years? No. Tomorrow morning, something terrible has happened. Oh, uh, what? Natural disaster? War? Leadership spill? Did Penny knife me on Christmas Day? Nope, it's even worse. In about eight hours, you're going to wake up to find you didn't get any presents. No presents? Why? Obviously, you weren't a very good boy this year. Now, come on. We need to go back in time, right our wrongs, and make sure we get our presents. Oh, but I thought we pretty much had a perfect year. I can't think of any mistakes. Well, I can think of one. Let's go. And on behalf of the Labor Party, I support the Uluru Statement from the Heart in f- Don't do it! It's a mistake! No! I promised the Aboriginal people! That's not important! Listen to me! We didn't get any Christmas presents! Ah! Alright, I'll drop it! Good boy! That should do it! Now come on guys, let's go get our presents! No presents?! This can't be! Oh, well, what do we do now? Oh, well, we must have made some other mistakes this year. Come on, think! Um, okay, um, I, I guess, uh... Well, Labor will bring down power bills by 250... <laughs> well, Chris Bowen, I'm going to make you the Minister for Energy! <laughs> the High Court? Oh, we just let all the detainees out then. <laughs> you know what we need? More migrants. <laughs> 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 Alright, that should do it. God, no! Still no presents! Oh, oh, no. What the hell? We must have missed something. We must have made another boo-boo somewhere. No, fellas. There's only one thing left to do. Excuse me. Hi, Santa. Elbows. One at a time. Santa, why didn't we get any presents this year? Did you put us on the naughty list? Yes. Could you check it again? No! Listen, mate, me power bill's gone up. All me raw materials have gone up. Me landlord's trying to jack the rent up for the workshop. He reckons he could have a new bike in here tomorrow. All me elves are on strike for higher wages. They're struggling to make ends meet, and so am I. My car declined at Woolies yesterday. And then you go and chuck another 600,000 migrants into Australia for me to sort Prezzies out for? Yeah, you're on the bloody naughty list, Elbo. Oh, come on, Santa, but... You're a good Labor voter. You're a tradie. You're rusted on. You bleed red, remember? Just go. Leave Santa alone. Oh, sheesh. You know what, Elbows? He's right. We don't deserve presents this year. Unless... Ah, the Labor Party. I could see myself going into politics one day. Sign me up! No! 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 No!
Politicians! Ha <laughs> ha! Look at this! One Nation merch! Funny drawings of all the politicians! <laughs> Good thing I'm not one of those, eh? Oh, cool! There's calendars and stubby holders oh, and t-shirts! Oh, and bottles of gin! And rum! And playing cards! Oh, that's so cool! And it all supports the cartoon series! That's awesome! What a great cause! Oh, this is the best Christmas ever! <laughs> Hang on! So if I'm not Prime Minister, I wonder who is? Merry Christmas, everyone. See you next year. <laughs> boom, boom. Pauline Hanson wins the day at the very end. I don't know where she gets these satirists from. I haven't really asked the question. I will do uh, of her team in the early part of the year and find out for you, but I think it's very clever. Um, some of them you've really got to see to get the gag, but I thought today was one you could play for those who are purely listening and not watching our video stream. Um, but there you go. How good. Now, one of the things I'm going to do when I take this break is sleep. I don't mind my sleep, but of course, when you're monitoring news 24-7, you miss out on sleep. You create a sleep debt. Well, I'm happy to get stuck into depositing some sleep to get rid of the debt. And there's a story on Fox News today, which I thought I'd just tell you about. Didn't you get enough sleep this week? Well, take heart. Catching up on shut eye over the weekend could provide the bonus of improved cardiovascular health, according to a new study published in the journal Sleep Health. Researchers from Nanjing Medical University in China analysed data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which compiled information from 3,400 adults between 2017 and 2018. The people who slept for at least one hour longer on weekends, like sleeping in on Sunday, had lower rates of cardiovascular disease. If you want to look after your ticker, get some sleep over the Christmas break. That's it from me. Um, I wanted to say, say thank you very much to all our great contributors. Now, I can't do it by name, not all of them, because we've had quite a few through the course of 2023, but I would like to pick out and say thank you to Alan Jones, Senator Holly Hughes, Prue McSween, Mark Latham, John Ruddick and Alex Zaharoff-Royt. They have been fully committed to the program, appearing every week, which is great. And they've been brilliant on air. I get so many good comments about their appearances. So thank you to them and our other occasional regulars who appear every second or every third week on TNT. My producer, Jeremy Beck, has been a tower of strength when I bothered him um, very, very early in the morning or late at night or on Sunday morning, you know how it works. Uh, to Tim, our panel operator, thank you. Ben in production, our vision crew, the tech guys, Adam and Luke, have been tireless, tirelessly professional. And our hardworking managers, of course, Mike Ryan and Jenny Squires, thank you so much. It takes a, a lot more than just a big mouth to deliver live news and current affairs for two hours each weekday, but a great team effort. And I'm really glad I'm part of that team. So over the Christmas break, spread the word about the fact that we're now video streaming, the fact that we're now going right global, right around the world and hitting on some of the biggest news stories in the world. That's what we do. Pass the word on to family and friends, and hopefully they and you will be back for 2024. Look after yourselves over the break. And have a great Christmas, and more importantly, a very, very happy 2024. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio.